Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. As always, it's a real privilege to share the Word of God with you all this this evening and morning, wherever you are. And I'd like to start today by focusing on something we all take pleasure in. Food. Right? Food is not only something we need, but it's something we all enjoy. Well, good food anyway. Tasty and delicious food. But did you know, ingredients and preparation are not the only determinants on how good a meal tastes. Of course, these are important. But how you eat a meal greatly determines your taste and experience. Let me explain. I want you to to think back and picture the last delicious dish you've eaten in recent times. Maybe it was at a restaurant. Maybe it was in your home cooked by a loved one. Was it a succulent supper or a delectable dessert maybe? I want you to think about it, but I also want you to think about how you ate that meal. Women are generally better than men in this area of how we eat. Let me take my own wife, for example, Nicole. When she enjoys a meal, she does it slowly with smooth, small spoonfuls, savoring every bite ever so slowly. She makes the experience linger and last longer. So long, in fact, that I've wolfed down my portion already and I'm eyeing hers, much to her chagrin. She she doesn't like that. Women, they normally share well, but when there's something they really like and they've saved it till last, they do not like when they see their hands coming towards their plate. Well, did you know Nicole's slow eating style is backed by science? Scientific studies. Researchers have proven that food tastes better when we take our time and chew slowly and purposefully. Specifically when we give sufficient time for the air to circulate the food's taste molecules within our mouth and our nasal passageways. If you chew a a morsel of food slowly, paired with slow quiet breaths, the food flavor will be enhanced. Let me give you a quote here. From the, from the study that I'm citing. It says here, researchers found food molecules collect at the back of the mouth where they are carried by exhaled air to the nasal cavity. From there, the olfactory receptors, which is the fancy word for your the receptors in your nose, pick up the sense of the food, smell and taste are intertwined. So you know how important your nose is in taste. Ask anybody who has a cold or, or flu or is even a symptom of COVID where we lose our taste. Generally, it's paired with smell as well. Smell is crucial to taste. So crucially, the above mechanism is at its strongest when we both eat slowly and breathe smoothly. I didn't know that breath was very important in the eating process. The smooth, slow taking in of breath paired with the slow chewing of our food. In contrast... Maybe us men, some of you here will attest to, if we eat fast and breathe heavily and we're in a rush and we just scoff our faces, 
we cannot taste much of the food because we are wasting a lot of the food taste molecules because it just gets wharfed down and inhaled into our into our bodies right i'm sure i'm speaking to a few of us men here the same science applies to wine tasting maybe some of you are more familiar with this area if you're in the cape wineries or, or wherever you may be have you ever seen or wondered why wine connoisseurs sip and swirl their wine in the mouth so funnily in a particular behavior almost whistling air with pursed lips when they take that first sip i don't know if you guys have seen when they when they drink that wine and it takes forever for them to actually swallow it once again the wine taster savors a wine by holding it in the mouth for a few seconds to saturate the taste buds by pursing one's lips and breathing through the small opening of oxygen allowing air to be taken in over the wine and release even more molecules many winies as i like to call them claim that their wine tasting is an art and when done correctly it is quite fun they say they take charge of their wine experience and they and they say and they say the experience elevates a glass of wine's flavor and they follow something called the five s's notice the first thing a wine connoisseur does i'll use this water bottle as an example they they lift it up and they look at it in the light generally the first one is c then the next thing they do is they swirl the wine around that's the next s swirl then they take a sniff of the bouquet of the wine that's the the, the third s is to sniff then only does it enter the mouth through a small sip and then like we just described that that behavior of also inhaling air through pursed lips at the same time that allows the last s which is savor so they see they swirl they sniff they sip and they savor note the involvement of all the senses involved when they taste that wine sight touch sound when you hear the wine swirling around the smell of the wine and of course the taste food and drink won't only taste better when we partake of it slowly but i'm sure many of you know that our bodies will process it and digest it better as well again research points that they have found that people who take time to chew slowly have better digestion and full and feel fuller faster they found that on average slower eaters had a smaller waist circumference and lower body mass index so just ask the french right the french are notorious for eating slowly and you normally see the french are very fit and healthy and they like their wine too so maybe there's a secret there to eating slowly paired with wine you see we need to take our bodies through its own slow food movement not rushing the ingestion as a mere means to an end so why am i going on about food and wine and eating it and partaking of it slowly well for me i found the slow point can be said for my own personal engagement with the lord specifically through his word and in his presence in prayer i want to stress that i struggled and sometimes i still struggle in the practice of prayer and reading his word my heart struggled on how how to engage with the lord the discipline and the practice of reading the word it felt like reading the word and prayer felt dry and difficult and labor and, and a labor sometimes you see what i never understood is just like the food we eat the word comes with specific 
a specific serve, serving suggestion, if you will. Right in the back of your products or on your cereal box, they always say serving suggestion and they, sh they sow blueberries or raspberry with your cornflakes, etc. Well, the Bible, maybe if we look at the back, there's a serving suggestion on how we are to partake of the word. For me, I know I am still in the process of learning that the Bible was designed and written to be prepared, to be served and to be eaten in a certain way. And that certain way is to be done slowly. Just like cooking preparations, we need to prepare the surrounding conditions to prime its work and enhance its flavor. And just like eating slowly, the word isn't designed to be wolfed down as a means to an end. To find a quick answer or God's thoughts on our problem or issue that we face. Food is so much more than fuel, isn't it? It's a love prepared and partaking experience, both intimate and social at the same time. Well, so is the word. The word is designed to be seen, to be swirled, to be sniffed, to be sipped and to be savored. We need to grasp that the, the Bible is an ancient Jewish meditation literature. Let me say that again. The Bible is designed and at its core an ancient Jewish meditation literature. One of my own personal slow eating guides, if you will, the Bible Project, says this about the Bible. The Bible is a multi-layered work offering levels of insight as you read and reread and meditate on the Bible. Exploring its unique style of the Bible, which is meant to draw its readers into a lifelong journey of reading and meditation. The Bible study in our local church have taken two years and we're we only now almost done with the book and the Gospel of Matthew. And no matter how many times you've read that Gospel, I'm sure many people will come away with something that they've, they've enjoyed the slow meditative process in which we've taken in, in pouring ourselves pouring the word over ourselves in reading and partaking of the book in the Gospel of Matthew. Let me highlight another opening lines of a book in the Bible, Joshua. Now in Joshua chapter 1 in the very first lines we read that Moses had passed and the Lord commissions Joshua with strength and encouragement as he embarks on leading the Israelites to seize their promised land. And as part of that commissioning the Lord provides Joshua with words with the words own serving suggestion like I said and this is what Joshua 1 8 says from the English Standard Version Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 I'll read it for you it says this book of the law the Bible shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that it is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success now Note the imagery of the word being continually in Joshua's mouth. Now, this is not merely just suggesting that he memorizes scripture, which may be a part of that. Rather, it is just like the scientific benefit we just unpacked earlier, where we said giving sufficient time in our mouths for food to linger, eating and chewing and breathing slowly. You see, the same full imagery applies to eating the word. We need to slowly chew on the word purposefully, which will greatly enhance its flavor and its digestive working 
in our lives, just like these words to Joshua. If we read Joshua 1.8 again, and with that imagery in mind, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Keep it in your mouth. Let it linger. Meditate on it. Chew on it slowly, continually, both day and night. Then it will become nourishment and will bring you prosperity because you are changed from the inside out. Now, let me highlight this for you as another technique that I like to use in my slow food movement of the word or slow chewing. When I eat, I don't know about you, but when I eat, I have certain techniques that help me or force me to eat slowly. For example, if I get a bowl of soup or cereal in the morning, I always use a teaspoon and many laugh at me. But for me, a teaspoon forces me to take smaller bites. Otherwise, Stephen will be done in, in 60 seconds. Also, if I eat anything remotely that can be used with a chopstick or Asian food, I use it, not because I'm good at it, quite the opposite, but I, I'm terrible. And this forces me to take smaller chunks and be precise and purposeful in my eating. The same way, I have certain techniques that help me personally in approaching the word to take it and digest it and eat it slowly. And one of these techniques is the one you see I use quite often, and that's word study. So today, again, I'm going to use that technique in helping me and sharing with you the unpacking of, of the scriptures, particularly Joshua 1 verse 8. And the word that we're going to study is the word meditate that we read above. For the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. The Hebrew word here for meditate is Hagah. Hagah. H-A-G-A-H. Hagah. Hagah means to murmur, to mutter, to growl. Almost the same meaning as used for growl of a lion over its prey. You're asking, Hagah means to growl? Does a lion meditate over its prey while eating it? Well, yes, it does. The Hebrew activity of meditating on scripture is uniquely described and equated to a lion growling, murmuring, muttering as it feasts on its kill. Think of the sound that a lion makes, right? He's enjoying that meal. Well, living in South Africa most of my life, as many of you do here on this call, and or many of you have in the past at least, I've been on safari. And I've seen lions in the wild at the Kruger National Park, but I'm not sure I've had the privilege of seeing a pride of lions feasting on a fresh kill. Maybe some of you have. Nonetheless, I'm sure all of us have the seen our heads narrated by the whispers of Sir David Attenborough from one of his many nature documentaries. So I encourage you to picture it now. Picture a scene of a lion or a pride of lions enjoying fresh impala or a small buck. Don't just see it with your mind's eye. Try to imagine the sounds the lion makes while he's enjoying his meal. The guttural growling and the smacking of his lips and his mouth and his tongue and his teeth as he sinks into the prey's flesh and bone. You're like, wow, Stephen, you're getting quite graphic. I know, but it's important we have this graphic picture when we hear the word Hagar. The pastor behind the message translation of the Bible, Eugene Peterson, who, as a note, he translated the Bible to the message for his flock because they struggled to engage with the translations that was in front of them. So this passionate and humble man took the time 
to translate the Bible for his flock to understand and easily ingest and appreciate the scriptures. I find that's quite a powerful testimony. I love the message and was always one of the first translations that I found easier to engage with. This is what Eugene Peterson says from one of his books. It says, eat the book. This is what he says. When he talks about Hagar, a lion meditating on its prey. Quote, chewing and swallowing using teeth, tongue, stomach and intestines, there is a certain kind of writing that invites this kind of reading. Soft purrs and low growls as we taste and savor, anticipate and take in the sweet and spicy, mouth-watering and soul-energizing morsels, words of the Bible. He goes on to say, reading is an immense Reading is an immense gift, but only if the words are assimilated, taken into the soul, eaten, chewed, gnawed, received in an unhurried delight. Hagar speaks of our whole being intimately immersed in scripture, eating, chewing, gnawing on it in unhurried delight. I love that quote, unhurried delight. One last quote from Eugene Peterson says, Christians feed on scripture. Holy scripture nurtures the holy community as food nurtures the human body. Christians don't simply learn or study or use scriptures. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing, evangelism and justice in Jesus' name. Hands raised in adoration of the Father, feet washed in the company with the Son. Powerful, powerful words. Now Hagar also has another use or an imagery in the Bible. And, and we're going to speak on that now. And it involves another bodily sense, which is hearing. Most of what I've been talking to you is about taste or smell or savor. But Hagar, remember the growl, also stimulates the, the ears, the hearing. Well, for me, if I gave you an example from my own childhood, and even to this day, whenever I have to study something, I always had a technique of both writing notes down and speaking those words and those notes that I'm writing down out aloud at the same time. Because I found that it was the most helpful technique for me to invest as much of my attention and my senses in the studying process. So when I was in an examination room or had to recall that those words, I, I find, almost heard my own words back in my bedroom as I wrote and heard. It's like I saw the pages and I heard the words. It really helped me to engage my senses. Well, Hagar is used again in scripture. And particularly, they say a dove is cooing. Two times in scripture, Hagar describes what doves do as cooing. Now imagine that, right? So... I'm sure all of you have heard doves cooing sometimes at the most annoying hours, but you hear that, that, that soft cooing noise of a dove. So in both cases, in both the lion and the dove, it's quite a low primal guttural sound where both animals are investing all of their focus and attention and concentration, their whole being, if you will, in the meditative process and state. Now I've used the word meditate quite a bit today already. And unfortunately, in our modern times, we have a skewed perception of this word meditation in our modern Western world. This is largely thanks to mainstream Eastern practices 
like yoga for example many perceive meditation as sitting quietly emptying your mind repeating a phrase or a mantra or something and listening to your breathing now there is some wisdom to engaging in these habits of breathing slowly and and emptying your mind for the purpose of calming yourself i know there's a lot of uh, mobile apps out there that actually do the same thing but that is not haga at all i'm speaking about haga the hebraic understanding of meditation and specifically biblical meditation you see the difference is instead of emptying your mind haga is about filling your mind filling your mind with something other than just your own words your own thoughts or your own emotions it's filling our whole being with god's words god's thoughts and god's emotions like a lion feasting on that impala we are in to invest our whole being all of our being our full attentive focus all our senses on the word studying and hagaing the word so that we may assimilate its words take it into our soul eat chew nor receive it in an unhurried delight as eugene peterson said jesus gave his own i believe interpretation of joshua 1:8 and this we can read in the apostle john's account of holy communion this is his account of holy communion and you can find it in john chapter 6 verse 53 to 57 i'm sticking to eugene peterson and i'm sticking to the message translation here i'll read it for you 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 are familiar with the scene jesus says only in as far as you eat and drink flesh and blood the flesh and blood of the son of man do you have life within you the one who brings a hearty appetite to his eating and drinking has eternal life and he will be fit and ready for the final day my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink by eating my flesh and drinking my blood you enter into me and i into you in the same way that the in the same way that the fully alive father sent me here and live because of him so the ones who make a meal of me lives because of me i love eugene peterson's commentary and translation of this you need to make a meal of jesus right john starts his account and you all know how john starts his gospel there's a very famous line in his in his and how he opens his gospel account in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he claims the word became flesh in jesus so if we are to partake and eat and haga jesus as he implores us to in the scripture we just read we are to partake and eat and haga his word because they are one in the same just like the physicality of eating the emblems of communion the bread and the wine we need to eat the word and drink in the spirit I'm in speaking you today I want to broaden your horizons I want to I want you to question and I want you to think about how you approach the word how can you haga the word how can you meditate on the word of god I want you to to try different styles and techniques if you haven't already I want you to swirl the word in your mouth breathe slowly allowing the breath of god to aerate and make the word come alive in you make the words health and vitality to your very bones you see just like the modern skewing of the word meditate which we spoke about earlier 
Maybe we in, in Christian circles have skewed the word spiritual too. I feel if any of us have narrowed the word spiritual to this high ethereal outer body experience, I fear we have done you a great disservice. You see, so I used to feel like that because I didn't understand certain things. And I used to approach the Bible and I used to feel guilty and convicted when I opened it up and I tried to read the word and pray. But I didn't experience what I thought was spiritual warm and fuzzies. Somehow maybe I missed the mark. I want to say to you now, no. Reading the word and praying is as grounded as we are. It is real as we are. We start by reading and speaking giving our whole selves to the practice and, and, the, and the principle. Just like eating starts with biting and chewing. We need to do it slowly. I, I really think the metaphor of eating is a really apt one. Because when we eat and partake of a meal, let's say when, when someone that, that loves us dearly cooks and prepares a special meal for us, when we eat it, it's not just our tongues and our mouths and our stomachs that gets pleasure, but our heart gets filled with joy and pleasure too because we receive of that love that that person has taken to prepare that meal for us. It's the same in, with the word. But we have to allow ourselves to be ministered to by the word and we need to meditate on it slowly. We need to think on its meaning, letting it impart to us, Jesus himself, his being into us. Let me conclude with one more story. Let me share a historic Jewish education custom. This one really blesses me and challenges me. This is the custom. At the age of six, when Jewish children first encounter the Torah, or any education for that matter, remember, their education was learning Torah. And this is their first days of school, if you will. Their first day of Torah school. The rabbi or the teacher gave each new student a small slate with the Hebrew alphabet written or engraved on it. This slate is what they would use to eventually learn to read and write. It was literally like the ABCs for us English folks. The rabbi would then pour honey on each of the child's slate and would have the children run their fingers across the slate and then would have them lick the honey off their fingers. While the rabbi would quote scripture saying, may the words of God be like honey on your tongue. He was, a quote, he was quoting Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 3, which says, feed your belly with the scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Now I want you to think a six-year-old. This may have been their first experience of of honey. Imagine their delight as your first experience of honey because sweet bites were a rarity in these places in, in that time. Now think about that this is their first experience of not only honey but the word of God or any words visual or hearing or visual at least like the alphabet. Any form of formal education. Think what it means to how to tangibly start and touch their first school book or their first school pen. I believe, and I'm sure many of you agree, first associations are critical in the continued experience of something. This is a beautiful beginning of learning the word, or if not all words, isn't it? Imagine 
a six-year-old's delight of tasting honey as their first day of school. I just love that. So today, in my sharing, I want to encourage you to open your mouth. I want you to eat this book, taste it and see that it is as sweet as honey. Let it linger in your mouth. Let it fill your stomach. One last scripture, again from Eugene Peterson's message translation. And I'm sure these words that I've spoken to today would have reminded you of Psalm 1. And I'm just going to read Psalm 1 verse 2 to 3. It says, Thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You are a tree planted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. So folks, I hope you understand my heart in sharing today. And I really do encourage you, and, and maybe in this time of sharing, if if you want to ask or, or have any questions on techniques or how, I really like the practicalities on, on how we engage in Scripture. And you know my testimony, I've shared it on, on here before. The Lord told me to, in, to engage with Him as any way as I can. Just like some of us at school, we don't necessarily learn the same way as others. Some of us, we, can, we don't struggle in a formal education room and textbooks and stuff but some of us we like to get hands-on we like to be more technical and and skills and stuff i believe the word of god is the same he his word is so flexible and alive we can find him in any direction we choose as long as we seek after him as long as we seek after him for me you know it's 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 not only these word studies that i give you or commentaries or or translations or hebrew words or greek words but it's going out on a walk and just listening to the words, maybe on your Bible audibly as you walk. Maybe it's just, you know, people laugh at me, but I don't read very often and I don't read a great deal. And when it comes to the Bible, I fixate on certain passages or chapters or verses for a long time where others speed read chapters and books. See, I like to do things slowly, as you can see. But you see, I think there's a benefit to that. It allows the words to meditate to you to chew it in your mouth, to, to think about it, to ponder it. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.